Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals for our third episode talking about Steins Gate. We're going to do episodes five and six today. I'm Alex. Hi, this is Blixa. Hey, this is Ben. And we have a returning guest who came on to talk about his passion for Madoka Magica last time. Please, everybody, welcome Kai. Yay. Oh, thank you for having me back again. <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys again. It was great last awesome. time. So I think last time you talked about kind of your history with magical girl animes. Do you have a history with Steins Gate as well? Yeah, that is in-depth one. And I certainly haven't thought about it nearly as much as I have Madoka Magica or the magical girl genre. But this is a fellow 2011 show, mm. right? And I got started watching seasonal anime right as Madoka Magica was airing. So I this was all the rage back in yeah. the day. It was everywhere. Yeah. A very popular show. So I watched it while it was airing and loved it and thought it was cool. That's it. That's the history. <laughs> oh, but you're an OG. You saw it at like week to week. Oh, yeah. I remember when they put the um, I don't know if you guys know, but they put the actual uh, whatever it is in that building. They put that in the building in Akihabara. They actually. Oh, had the satellite. The- the satellite that's what it is yeah <laughs> what a great publicity stunt and so people are just like in the show we're gonna see in this episode people just walking by being like what happened there exactly. that's amazing exactly. there there are a lot of parallels between this and madoka magica strangely i think and you know i guess the the visual novel came out 2009 uh so i don't know if in some ways it's like an inspiration or if there's just something sort of in the air at that time that kind of these people independently kind of came to some of the same ideas. But. Big coincidence, but one of my favorite meme images ever is um, Homer Kemi and Okabe uh, at a bar with um, the Groundhog Day main character, <laughs> you know, and, and like all these other time looping characters that uh, and do we have to cut that out? We don't have to spoil it. <laughs> no, you're good. Spoilers. Spoilers. Signs. Gates. Spell. Time. Loops. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that it just happened to be the similar similar content at the same time. It's weird. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. So 2011, um, the David Tennant run of Doctor Who was concluded by then. I feel a lot of like David Tennant Doctor Who energy in Okabe. Did you get that vibe, Kai? Sure. I'm not a I'm not a big Who uh, person. It's not one of the fandoms that I align myself mm. with. But yeah, I it, Okabe as character is probably one of the coolest things about Steins Gate. Mm. And one of the things that I definitely had written down to bring up, he's just like, yes, he's mad scientist, right? He's very funny, but he's also like really endearing and a really good friend in a lot of the ways. And like, like actually really fun to watch just as a person. I am so glad to hear you say that because that was in dispute last episode. <laughs> yeah it's gonna be in dispute this episode (laughs) okay well i am on i am on team okabe yes i'm pro okabe and i'm sure i'm sure we all will be eventually but like i think in this episode uh well i can't remember if it's five or six but in one of these two episodes is like the worst he's been so far okay well we will have some interesting discussion absolutely (laughs) um uh uh, so before we uh uh, get into it uh uh Real quick, is there anything that you're doing right now, Kai? Like, what have you done since the last time we checked in with you? Yeah, so speaking of uh, Madoka Magica, I released a video, the trailer for the fourth film that is coming out this (gasps) next year uh, was released. Yeah, so (laughs) you guys, I know you covered Rebellion. Listen to the episode. It was great. 
you'll obligated now to cover Walpurgis Knocked Rising, which is the name of the fourth film. Uh, so there's a video up on my channel dissecting all the information that we got about the upcoming movie. Go check it out. Uh, I released another video about uh, baseball episodes in anime, and that bombed <laughs> real hard. I was real upset about it. I thought it was real good, and I have uh, more Madoka Magica stuff. I've commissioned a Madoka Magica AMV oh. that is in hmm. the works. And if you subscribe to youtube.com slash clear and sleet, you can uh, go whenever that's released. I will be making a big deal about it because it's awesome so I'm, far. I'm just curious now, um, from the trailer of that fourth movie, is it clear kind of what the general plot is about or like what direction they're going? Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, man. That's far too big a question to answer here. Um there's an indication. I don't want to drop spoilers for rebellion out of the science. Spoilers podcast. from the trailer, right? Yeah, that's okay. Know. Oh, I see yeah. what you're saying for rebellion. Yeah, yeah. It follows after the events of the ending of Rebellion, let's say that. And uh there is a bad guy that we see, and we're like, okay, that's the bad guy, but then there's some interesting uh imagery there that has me really excited. I'm not, I'm not going to go further though. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, we're going to link to uh, uh, your video and I'm probably going to go watch your video as soon as we're done with this. Yeah, it's exciting. It really is. Last time on, they're not called chicken tenders. The Maori Shima story. Makise joined the future gadget lab as number 004, just in time for another successful micro experiment. One burst of lightning and a few pieces of ruined Kareage later, the FGL had sent another successful text through time. Daru spouted off about CERN's Large Hadron Collider, prompting Okabe to ask him to hack CERN's mainframe. Okabe continued his correspondence on conspiracies and received titillating texts from Teeter. Teeter's tale of the future under Cernian rule was bleak, but things have already begun to change, and Okabe and pals might be on the path to continuing Teeter's good works. Daru succeeded in cyber spycrafting into Cern, but couldn't decipher all of their dastardly deeds. Teeter taught Okabe about the IBM 5100, a computing machine from the past which could lead to a brighter future. Mayuri got a lead on such a device from her maid mate Ferris, who happened to be holding a Beat the Champ style Reinhardt card battler tournament. Okabe agreed to compete in exchange for information, but employed an oops all surrendering style of play. Ferris turned out not to have the IBN 5100, but remembered that her family donated the machine to the local shrine Rhine by Ruka and her father. Makise overcame the time travel terror instilled in her by her father and helped Okabe carry the IBN 5100 back to the FGL. Will the FGL acquire more members? Does the IBN hold the key to CERN's paywall locked content? Can Okabe be less of an ass to Makise? Let's find out. <laughs> All right. All right. Everyone good to go? Mm-hmm. All right. Three, two, one, play. All right. Well, I love the openings of this series. Mm. We get these like mysterious things that you don't know what those pieces are yet. And then you get hints of things that you maybe have some suspicions about. The, the other thing that's interesting about the cold opens is like that was like a good standalone scene, but it also picks up right where the last episode left off with them yeah. carrying the, <laughs> the box. So I think it does lend itself to be very like bingeable and almost feels like it's just one continuous thing yeah absolutely 
that was the other thing. I did not remember this series being 24 episodes. But yeah, I, think we were I thought it was 12. <laughs> yeah, that threw me off too. One thing I do like about this episode is it feels like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like the Scoobies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Figuring yeah. shit out. You know, I wondered if there was something in like cryptid or like unexplained mystery history about like Jellyman discoveries, but there weren't. Mm. So mm. I did find a lot of interesting mysteries involving gelatinous blobs, Ooh. Uh, but no humanoid ones. Just the D&D <laughs> style ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice the first time I watched the generic YouTube they're using is MewTube, which is like a cat joke, but also a Pokemon joke, which oh. I respect having both. All right. Shall we go chronologically or should we just go for the hot potato? Let's do it. Well, whatever you feel like. It's your outline. <laughs> Fuck chronological. So like, okay. let's talk about Okabe mm -hmm. and like what kind of a fucking guy this is. So they're playing the game and Makise doesn't use this fictional name that Okabe wants everyone to use, which like hardly anyone uses. So he has this big re reaction. Mm -hmm. All right. So I understand reading that as like anger and violence, but uh, the music in the background is very like uh, vaudevillian. It's like mm -hmm. something from Adam's family that Danny Elfman would have written. That codes it to me as something wacky. So we already know that Okabe does all this grandstanding, but it's a performance. And sometimes it's obvious who he's performing for and sometimes not. And there's a reason why he's doing that, but we don't know why yet. So the other thing happening is he does not have social intelligence. <laughs> like this particular instance, like he goes too hard mm -hmm. and he cannot read Makise. And then freaking Daru has to tell him, like she says out loud, like, what upset her and he still doesn't get he doesn't integrate it and Daru's like yo she just told you you were like screaming in her face like that's not cool and agreed we all agree that's not cool yeah <laughs> oh yeah 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 i have a i have another thing to this thought just popped into my head and i don't know that i fully support this reading but like she's being real friendly with okabe there and and uses his name directly instead of you know just telling him like go away from me go away from me i don't want to you know, I wonder if Okabe is like realizing that he's like making a friend or that he's getting intimate or that he's, you know, seeing her as an equal or something and then reacts against it. And like his outburst was kind of like a like a ah, too much, too fast type thing. No, I think you're right on. I think that's exactly what happens. They're playing a game. Mm -hmm. You learn things about people. You get closer by playing games, I think, faster than any other form of human interaction. And so I think that, yeah, she calls him by his name's Rintaro Okabe. So Okabe is like his first name, right? Mm -hmm. Only your friends would call you by that name, right? And so, yeah, she calls him that and he freaks out, can't process his own emotion in the moment. And so he forces the boundary back up to be like, no, 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 no you can't call me that. I told you to call me this. And, and also, it's no coincidence that she's also better at the game than him. She's yes, getting yes. one up on There's him. There's an element of that, right? Yep. And he needs to reestablish his ego. Yes. And as far as as far as you said, uh, Blixa, like I think you're right. I think that he doesn't mean anything bad by it, and mm -hmm. I think that the show agrees with you. The show is like, isn't Okabe being silly? But it doesn't change how she receives it. 
Oh, yeah. When I watch that scene, all I see is her and her reaction. Mm -hmm. And so the music in the background to me is like completely inappropriate, just like his behavior. Okay, I will agree with that. Um, I often tell people like both intent and impact are very important. Mm -hmm. Like even if you have the most innocent intent, the impact of how you how you affect a person must be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's mature enough to understand that or even be aware. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, that also comes to mind here is like, I've talked a bit on my channel about like uh, autism spectrum disorder and stuff like mm-hmm. that, about my experiences with that. And I don't know that I would like really code Okabe in that way or like see a ton of that in him, uh, but it could be something along those lines. Like I think somebody like Komi-san or there was a Bang Dream character that was like clearly visibly autistic on screen and it was like this great representation of autism. I don't know that this is, but Okabe certainly has his hyperfixations, right? He has his social ineptitude. So whether that's just him being a little bit eccentric or like some type of disorder or something like that. How old is Okabe? Like 22, 23, something like that. Okay. That's still a kid in my book. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I think that all of these people are like the way they're drawn to me reads as adult, but their actual stated age is way lower than I think <laughs> yeah. they are visually. It's yeah. one of those anime things where uh, Christina's like, oh yeah, I'm 17. And you're like, no, you're not. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how old does uh, Mayuri seem to you? Early 20s. Yeah, I think she's like the same age as Akabe. Okay. So a lot of this just feels like freshman immaturity to me. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so there's also this thing of like, uh, Okabe, he has shown great compassion already. It's, It's not that he doesn't want people to like him and he really wants to like people, but he can't intuit the emotional significance of any interaction on his own. It takes him time and like conversations with someone in order to figure it out. All the people that he plays along with their own RP, like especially like Ferris and uh, Aruka. Mayuri. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like all these people who he puts effort into like having fun with them and, you know, being silly. He He's known these people for a while. But but Makise, he just has not calibrated to her. He doesn't mm. know what's good for mm. her yet. And and he's more comfortable interacting with her as this character of Hugh and Kuma and have her play this character of his assistant. Yep. Yep. And you know, maybe it's a little bit like, you know, he's this nerd who's maybe into her, but like isn't comfortable. So he has to like put up those walls so he can interact. He, he yeah. can deal with an assistant, but he can't deal with like an attractive, you know, woman coming out of nowhere that knows <laughs> things and is smarter than him. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if this is a real thing or not, but um, I've been in many social circles that are like countercultural and mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're filled with misfits and oddballs. And um, there's like a common language that they find to be able to function with each other. You know, like if you go to an anime convention, you can have very meaningful conversations with people that cannot be socially functional in another context. Uh, when you bring like a mature, socially intelligent person into that, they sort of don't fit in with the group because the misfits don't know how to interact with like a normie, for lack of a better word. Uh, I feel like Okabe and his band, they're all quirky in these really pronounced ways. And Makisa seems pretty solid 
whatever she was doing in America, it seemed like she developed a lot of autonomy. And now she's back in Japan living independently. That's like adulting skill. That might be part of the, the tension here. Yeah. And I think you see that with her interaction with Miyuri, where she like doesn't get like the hostage thing and like, you know, like, <laughs> that's what I was going like, to say. Doesn't yep, yep, get yep, that yep. like Okabe <laughs> is sort of fundamentally harmless and like, you know, not, not this creep. I don't know. I, I do think it's interesting this episode too, the, the way they highlight her Americanness, which is that, you know, she wants to eat with a fork and likes Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like the other cringy cringy tension is with daru like he's an otaku like and i i recognize that and i get it but i know that it's cringy because he can't turn it off he doesn't know when those jokes are inappropriate yep and he spends most of his social time around these other misfits who already have accepted his eccentricities or perviness or whatever. And yeah, exactly. Can I, can I also say that you, this whole discussion is exactly why I think Steinsgate was a successful show as opposed <laughs> to all that nonsense <laughs> about like CERN and like the particle things and like goo people. And like, it's, I guess it's interesting enough as a plot, but like, that's not what I come to anime for. I come to anime for, for these subtleties of character interaction. Oh my God. Wait a second. Our characters, they are all kind of like otaku archetypes. Mm. Like Luca and Ferris, like you see people like that at anime conventions as far as the eye can see. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's heavy. I think, it, I think it's a, a show that is very aware of the database of like anime tropes and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're going to meet, well, no, we've already met her, but we're going to spend more time in the next episode with a character who also, you see a lot of them. What is her name? He calls her Set SF, Shining Finger. Moeka. Moeka? Moeka. There's lots of people like her at anime conventions too, who are, oh, you know, yeah. standoffers. They really mm-hmm. want to be there, but they like maybe are uncomfortable or unsure of what role they're playing there besides observer. And when other people observe them or try to interact, Sometimes they freak out about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I have so many friends who are great conversationalists and DMs, but you get them on the phone and nothing happens. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been that person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say you by name. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Call me out. <laughs> oh, this is delightful. I, don't, I can't remember if I mentioned it during the show watching or, or here, but like um, Steinsgate does pull a lot from like, the oddities of like that world of unexplained mysteries. Um, mm. And when they were talking about the jelly man, I was like so convinced that there was some mystery <laughs> story about a jelly man that was discovered. And I, I searched. Did, did you try to Google those so. like specific dates they mentioned places and stuff or? <gasps> no, I didn't do that. I, you know, like, mm. I, I guess the thing it reminds me a little bit is spontaneous combustion stories where, you know, they find this like mm. pile of ashes. And then I think a lot of those, it turned out it was like, people who like fell asleep smoking or something like that and sort of like burned Mm. to death. But, you know, before forensic technology or or knowledge about that, you're just like this person spontaneously combusted. Um, And I did wonder hearing these stories, if it was actually, you know, just like someone hid a body by like putting it in concrete or something like that. But maybe the first time they someone stumbles upon this like body inside of like a building. It's just like, how did this body get here? And like, it's, you know, all like 
liquid and decompose. There's an Icelandic delicacy where they put <laughs> fish in this type of acid and it becomes gelatinous, like yeah. gefilte fish. Is that what it is? Lutefish. Lutefish. Yeah. What What is the substance they put it in? It's lye and something else. Yeah. It, oh, it changes the composition of that matter. Yeah. So what, lye would be a heavy base or a strong base. Okay. That's how you make soap, right? Yeah. I watch Fight Club. <laughs> Maybe some like organized crime groups were trying to dispatch bodies with, with whatever they had on hand. And they ended up using for cooking. <laughs> some sheep farmer found the remains. It probably uh, would have looked like an alien, like a dead alien or something. Mm-hmm. I, I that, That's perhaps the, the thing that I will say about the plot of Steins Gate is that it is super engaging that up front in the first you know five episodes, you are confirmed that they have found a conspiracy theory. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, it's happening. And, and like, that's, that's enough narrative momentum just in general, even without all the tra- time travel uh, clues that we've been given. Yeah. Um, I guess the only other thing I wanted to touch on was um, the code name for the project that uh, Ocreen comes up with. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation again. Leg, leg yarn. Yeah. Leg yarn. Yeah. That's pretty good. Okay. Um, so I didn't dig too deep into it, but it does come from Norse mythology. It was uh, the chest that held Loki's weapon that like, if Loki got it, that was going to be really, really bad for everybody. <laughs> and of course he gets it. Uh, but I think he initially gets it to slay like an unkillable beast. It's like, I think it's this uh, bird that sits atop the world. Yeah. Um, so initially he gets it like as a, good thing but then obviously he's very mischievous again i'm not gonna be able to pronounce this but the name of the weapon that the chest held was l-a-e-v-a-t-e-i-n-n kind of like leviathan but levitin maybe yeah so i didn't know i don't know if that was like suggesting something in okreen's mind about this i can't say if there's any symbolism behind it but i will you know shout out to all the my fire emblem heroes players you know who you are <laughs> those, are those are both two characters in fire emblem. Yeah. yeah interesting well i mean the reason he come uses the name is that they're opening the they're opening these emails right that's the chest and what he's hoping to find in there is the weapon that slays cern ah, and cern go. being this this you know giant monster sitting on top of the world okay all right i dig that uh, and and in this case, he would be the stand-in for Loki, which ah. is kind of cute because he is, you know, you're like, man, there's something about you. You're super cool. I like you. But like, I also think you're a dickhead sometimes and mischievous. <laughs> is, is there some sort of uh, a Led Zeppelin song that can detail everything about this <laughs> that I can listen to? So the, the last bit of trivia that I really, really enjoyed was the game that they're playing. It's a real game. Oh, really? Wait, really? <laughs> yes. It's so, like called Reinhard Battler? Rhinet Access Battlers. It's a server hacking tabletop game. Wait, is it is it owned by the same production company that made Steins Gate? No. So this is an American game by designer Alex Randolph from wow. 1982. Oh, oh wow. So, so, so I think what I'm reading on the, the Steins Gate wiki is that it's like based off of a game called ghosts which is by alex randolph 1982 but i think there's like a fan-made game that you okay modify a ghost into the right access badly so 
IRL, it's called Ghosts. In the anime, it's Rynet Access Battlers. Okay. And it looks to me like it's it's a, a game of um, positioning and one-sided information, kind of like Stratego. Yeah, that, that's what mm. I thought when I was watching it and, and sort of like you can lay the traps, right? You can have your bombs on the board kind of thing. Oh, and you get to say things like, You've activated my trap card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to play it. It looks cool. So I, I was wondering, like, why were they playing that game? Like when they were killing, t- well, Daru's trying to figure out this computer, like they're killing time. And I thought it was cute. It was almost like Okabe was trying to get better at the game to like play Ferris again, <laughs> which is ridiculous because like Ferris is like a champion. Yeah. Oh, and then I thought this was cute. She's drinking uncaffeinated dr pepper <laughs> dr pepper yeah well maybe that was just in the the english dub but he says like do you want to go get something harder and she's like no i'm not old enough yet i don't drink alcohol and he's like no i don't drink alcohol either i just meant a soda with caffeine in it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I think the line in my sub was like oh we can become like drinking partners or something like that <laughs> and she, she's like well i'm not old enough to drink and he's like no i mean dr pepper drinking partners or something like that <laughs> i i have to say i have to say because we brought the dub up they they went crazy with the localization on this one there's all kinds of like nerd leak speak like daru says all your base are belong to me all stuff like that. oh wow it's like there's like means left and right uh they changed they changed the actual intent of things i noticed watching the subtitles and the dub this episode mm. that they changed literal intent of lines that didn't make sense see that maybe this is like really coloring my perspective of these characters because like in this scene like the banter between Okabe and Makise, it's like, it's like he's still role playing. He's like, ah, intellectuals drink Dr. Pepper. And like, I want to have this intellectually exchange with you. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, it's Dr. Pepper. I, be, I, I think I think the logic is just it has the name doctor in it and he's obsessed with like being a scientist so he's like oh yes Dr. Pepper the, the drink of doctors when you have a PhD you get your complimentary Dr. Pepper along with it I know yeah that's true yeah if you're a day laborer you drink Mr. Pib okay you know like I, I, I wonder if there's a little bit like I feel like my teenage years the like you know there were like the gamer drinks like i feel like mountain dew was mm-hmm. sort of this gamer coated drink and there was like the balls energy drink which so i think one of the first balls. things that called itself an energy drink maybe and and so I, I don't know if there are yeah like if this is sort of like the japanese equivalent of that of their sort of like name dropping these sort of like gamer hacker you know there's this at channel thing which is a reference to 2chan which is the japanese progenitor to 4chan um oh. and so, so some of this stuff might be sort of like uh referencing uh 2chan memes or something i can't tell you the impetus or i can't speak to you but uh i can tell you that the the fallout from the dr pepper is that everybody just went out and bought a white lab coat and a diet dr pepper and walked around in the anime <laughs> convention like they owned the world for like five years after the show aired that's funny all right well that's all i've got on my end yeah um there was suzuha stuff at the very beginning but it didn't really come to anything and i feel like if we start talking suzuha we'll be uh, uh, we may talk um, uh, uh, spoilers, uh, but okay. there was that moment at when she saw Kurisu, where she was just 
goes back into that attack stance and it's it's a beautiful thing yeah uh so i, I did find the board game on ebay it's only uh thirty dollars yeah ghosts or the yeah the... good and it's the full name is good and bad ghosts all right cool all right well i'm ready to go now too so if everyone's ready mm-hmm. yep three two one play so i guess this was sort of an exception to that pattern that i mentioned last episode where this cold open is sort of like starts in a new place that isn't really a continuation uh yeah and maybe to highlight like how alone she is because like unlike other characters in the show she has no secondary connections to okabe she's the he's the only person from the show she knows whereas everybody else like you know Ferris also knows Mayuri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I also think it's hilarious because if a satellite crashed, it wouldn't. That wouldn't be the outcome. <laughs> no, no, the... no, not at all. But if it teleported there, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, so I'm watching the sub. I don't mm-hmm. know if something got lost in translation. What is FB? I don't think, I think we know. Yeah, it's a mystery at this point. <sighs> but it caused a reaction in Ocarina. Yeah. I thought she was going to say, is that Stein's gate? I, I interpret that as Okabe, like Okabe was still on his own thing. Like he was in his like Hoon Kyoma um, role and was sort of ignoring her and just like doing his own thing. Yeah, that maybe FB doesn't mean anything to him yet. Mm-hmm. See, now I'm, I'm, I am, you know, having seen the show and forgotten it, I'm experiencing it as a first time thing of like, now I actually want <laughs> to know what fb and shining fingers deals are yeah it is pretty intricate so if you wait five ten years and watch it again it's like watching it for the first time so this is a kind of interesting episode in that it's sort of like this is the moika episode so maybe you know last Mm -hmm. episode was sort of more like the the whole game episode i guess we got a little more like suzuha than we've gotten so far but then we sort of switched over to this character that we've seen a little bit of but like as you guys were saying she's still basically like a a complete mystery and and we've dropped this like another little breadcrumb at the end of like fb but whereas i think with suzuha if you're paying attention you can sort of start to figure out what her deal is from like the different weird ways she's acted so far, at least partially. But mm-hmm. uh, Moika, it's yeah, there's like almost nothing that they've given us at this point. I think I think I think that's part of the mystery, too, is like with the part timer, we know there's enough information to make a guess that she would be from the future in a mm-hmm. time travel story. And then also she's just like thinks uh, Makise is the enemy, you know, mm-hmm. just for whatever reason. And that's enough that you're just like, OK, I'm just going to sit back and let it happen and whatever will be revealed. But then SF, the shining finger, we got nothing. So we're kind of yes. like, I, I have more of a desire there to to find out that answer than I do uh, anything involving the part time warrior. So, so from mm. the previous episode, we know that she showed this picture of the computer to Kabe, uh, the IBN mm-hmm. 5100. So she had this interest in it. It's been mentioned by John Titer, right? Um, and then they mm-hmm. they came across this connection to CERN and needing a 5100. Um, and then this episode, you know, again, she's very interested in that computer, takes pictures of it you know, wants to borrow it and then ask this weird thing about FB, right? It's, could it could it be FB is sort of like her question. 
Okay. And we know that she's sending a lot of messages to Okabe, but we're, we're not sure what she's doing with like these pictures or, you know, we see her sending just like a lot of messages in general. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing about the plot of Steins Gate is that the they have you have all this stuff with the IBM fifty one hundred at the start, and that's just to decode CERN's firewall programming emails, right? That doesn't have anything mm-hmm. to do with the time machine itself. So you're kind of wondering, like, why would she care about that instead of the time machine? There's like two two separate mysteries, right? Of like uh, CERN and then and then the time machine itself, and I guess they're all tied through CERN, but it does feel like two separate areas mm-hmm. One of the other thought i had was that uh the ending was really good because um he inducts a shining finger into them as a member of the lab right and the scene was great when everybody came in and was like oh yeah how's the time machine going okabe you know but <laughs> the two we were going back to talking about okabe whether we like okabe as a character or we dislike or you know how should how should we feel about okabe that's okabe's mm-hmm. strength that's the the shining bit of like why I value him as a character and like his uh, not character flaw, but like character triumph. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, okay, you're trustworthy. And it's a giant conspiracy story, right? Like there's, there's, I yeah. don't know anybody's loyalty, but he's like, you're part of the team. Get in here. Have these slice of life moments with what, us. Like, is that a good decision? Like it's a generous one. The secret is out at that point, right? Yeah, but what if she's a part of like the evil organization? That's like she wants she wants the computer and now she's got more access to it. Like she could really fuck them over. Right, right. It's a trust thing. But you you have yeah. to trust. And this is just me going on a diatribe about magical girl values again. But like you have to mm-hmm. trust in people to make the value of trust powerful and to empower the these ideas of, you know, non non-tangible uh you know, but you break game theory by trusting everyone. So I don't know if we really talked about this much, but uh, there's this other layer of mystery. Ferris's family had the 5100, and then years ago, they donated it to Luca's family shrine. Yep. That had to have been engineered because Luca's father says like that there was this prophecy attached to it, that there's going to be someone coming for it. And they just give it to them. Mm-hmm. Like that was that's engineered. So that feels more like time travel shenanigans. What if the prophecy is wrong? Not the prophecy being wrong, but what if it was actually SF that it was waiting for? Because she was already on the trail of it before yeah. Okabe did. When you're when you're saying SF, you're saying Moika. Yeah. Moika, yes, Moika. Yeah. So like whoever it was intended for, like I feel like there's time travel shenanigans. Probably. Somebody's successful and time travel gets created. Like I think we all agree Suzuha is a time traveler. Yeah. But it seems like maybe she's not the only one. And are people trying to make sure that Okabe and the gang succeed or stop him? That's a, that's another good point that uh, I had thought about watching the previous episodes is that it's really good that this show decides to make CERN the villain because they're in Europe and and a faceless organization. <laughs> and that's you don't actually have to deal with anything CERN related. Keeping the enemy, the ultimate enemy, so abstracted and and artificial and and divorced from the events that are happening allows you to have more character things here more back and forth more trust more uh you know or or eventually to have people help out you know in their in their own weird way i don't remember from watching this for the first time that anybody was like oh yeah they're they're the villain you know in this like qbs way (laughs) (laughs) well i was glad to see makise sort of like find her footing in the team I feel like this yeah. this episode establishes that. I do think one of the really smart things that this show does is, you know, in the first episode, you have this guy he's sort of like, 
this mad scientist figure, he like they bring up the concept of time travel, but he's just sort of like this weird nerd who's like into time travel. And, you know, he talks about, oh, you know, the organization that's like, you know, out to get him or whatever. And, you know, it, it becomes clear that he's just sort of like delusional or, or kind of role playing this character. But then those same things end up sort of being themes throughout the series. So it's sort of like, you know, in some ways, it's like a little bit like ironic that this person with those fantasies gets thrust into the situation. It's a little bit foreshadowing, but it's sort of like, oh, if you're into those ideas, maybe you'll be into them in the first episode, but you still have this kind of like, I'm, I'm trying to remember the term where you're sort of just like in the daily life for a while before kind of the shit hits the fan and you get into that like actual situation. Mm-hmm. I, I want to emphasize that point, Ben, that uh, the only person that can solve a plot about a conspiracy theory is a conspiracy theorist, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody else will just dismiss <laughs> it. So like, it's like uh, Half-Life 2, right? The, mm-hmm. the right man in the wrong place can make all the difference. And, and like, that's it. It's like, that's how you, that's, I think, justifying Okabe or giving him credit as a character to, uh, and the show is very, very kind to him, I think. Yeah. In some ways, he is the a perfect person to be in that role, right? Like, maybe Makise, someone like her, would be better at the actual, you know, trial and error of the time machine thing. You know, he's been living in this fantasy world of his, like, that he's persecuted by an organization all his life. So when it turns out to be somewhat true, as it seems to be going there, he's just still at home. He just still has that enthusiasm. He's like, oh, yeah, this is... Yeah. This is nothing new. This is what I've been doing my whole life. So maybe he's not the best prepared, but he has that enthusiasm. Yeah. I, I don't think we're at it yet, but it's not a too much of spoilers. But I think there is a point later on where it's sort of like, what do you contribute to the team other than like coming up with these like dumb names? <laughs> yeah, I was going to comment on that. Like he, he calls this team meeting that they've never had a team meeting before. And what's the point of it is to come up with a new name and then like <laughs> once again like makise steals the thunder she's like like his first idea is like no that's terrible but i think his actual thing is like assembling these people yes. like he is sort of yeah. strangely the glue that binds these people together and you have like Dari the super hacker and um you know carisi this sort of like uh what's the word not prodigal um but uh precocious genius mm-hmm. like child genius well, character that's what people and... like edison and steve jobs did they had really talented people yeah. with actual vision working for them mm-hmm. so like if they were a D group like okabe would probably be the dm right like you'd want mm. him with this little bit of narcissism coming up with this crazy story <laughs> then you'd also want like a power gamer like daru kind of keeping him in check and shit like that but yeah yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely see those dynamics are working out can i say what it reminds me of and this is a weird one so stick mm. with me here it reminds me of watching one punch man okay oh. because one Punch Man is not about, uh, you know, it's about a joke, right? It's about like one conceit of like the guy's so strong, he beats everybody and is boring. And there's like, you're like, okay, I get the joke. And and in the same way, Steins Gate is about like time travel and a, and a, and a you know, um, conspiracy theory and, and all this stuff. But at the same time, then you watch these shows and you're like, man, there's so many, there's so many actual character dynamics and themes that mm-hmm. it's it's saying something like One Punch Man is saying something about heroism and those values and everything. And like, I think in some weird ways, Steins Gate is saying something about 
the value of being together with people and and leveling without you know recognizing the outsider and uh, accepting eccentricities mm. more more heady themes than you would be led to expect from a simple time travel thriller that's interesting the only people you can be in relationship with are imperfect people it's a good lesson Boom. That's oh, good. This is why we brought you on, Kai, yeah, for these thanks. moments. <laughs> Appreciate Life it. lessons. I'm, I'm always looking pen for pals. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to oblige. <laughs> so they did figure out in this episode 100% how the, well, not 100%, but they figure out that the lightning storm is an integral part of the sending the text message back in, in time, right? What do, you, what do you mean by the lightning storm? Uh, opening the microwave in the middle of it running or the electricity is uh, surging out of the microwave. Yeah. I think too, he says that time of day is important. Oh yeah. He theorized that. And I don't know if he was right about that though. Cause what's her name figures out through like, I don't know, math theory or process of elimination that the number of seconds you program is the number of hours it goes back in time. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe his like, him being on the right time or the right track for like, oh, time of day or time is obviously it's time travel. Obviously, time is important somehow, but that she figured out what actually was important about that. Mm. Two more things. <laughs> the opening of this episode, Shining Finger Moeka gets a message on her phone and then panics. I think she received a D-mail like she received a message from the future. And it set her in motion. Oh, wasn't that the thing? Oh, man. I don't know whether this is spoilers or I'm remembering this or I'm coming up with this as a theory. So I'm going to throw it out there and say it's a theory. <laughs> but every time that they send a D-mail, doesn't it change the circumstances? Like that changes the past, them sending the D-mail, right? Yes. And then they go and it's all the kind of world line. They, they talked about world lines already. Yeah. So, yes. So- She's sending messages and Okreen's ignoring them. Mm. And then he physically runs into her outside the convenience store. And that gets him to start paying attention. And then she's at his door. I think there's more time travel shenanigans going on. And then we still don't have an answer. Like someone killed Makise. And then like Okreen goes back in time or gets the message or something. And now she's alive again. Like, what the fuck's going on there? Oh, I remember what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Don't, don't say, don't say it. I, don't, I won't. I remember what happens, though. This is fun. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, I just rewatched it recently, the whole series. So, so, you know, I sort of, I think, know a little bit more of what's going on, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just rewatching the intro of this episode, and I don't think it's actually the text message that makes her anxious. Mm -hmm. It's the camera, right? Well, there's this cameraman who wants to interview her because she's in Akihabara near mm -hmm. the uh, where the satellite fell. Um, but she goes into a panic and then she sends some text messages and or receives a message. And I think that's actually when she gets sort of like a feeling of relief. So she was like freaking out and then calms down. And we were talking a little bit about like Okabe being maybe a little neuroatypical, maybe mm. spectrum disorder. But in some ways, she seems maybe like she's a little more yeah. stereotypically like she either has like extreme social anxiety. Mm. But then she also has this very flat affect and seems to prefer communicating through text versus person to person. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
I Ben, I you forced me to go back. The messages she's receiving are from FB. Oh. Mm. Maybe it's future boy. Yeah. <laughs> future boy. Yeah. It is it is future boy. It's future boy. That's who sends her uh, emails. Future boy. <laughs> So, yeah, so this stuff will all sort of get mm-hmm. explained. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, so does anybody have any last thoughts on this episode or the episodes as a whole or the series thus far? Uh, uh, and if not, we can get into uh, Kai's plugs and stuff. Um, I'm impressed. Like, I was excited about doing this show because, like, it's kind of a fun, lighthearted show. I mean, there's some heavy mm-hmm. moments. But uh, I guess, uh, once again, I forgot that you know, there's some real thought put into this story. And like, there's a very clever orchestration happening that I really appreciate. Yeah, yeah, I'll echo that. You know, having rewatched it and, and put it away in my memory, I always thought, yeah, Science Gate was good. I enjoyed it. But then what, rewatching the first six episodes for this podcast, I was like, oh, wait. Oh, wait, this is a really good show. I, mm. I, you know, it made so many people's 10 out of 10 best anime ever lists. And, mm. and you're kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then you, you rewatch it. You're like, yeah. 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 I I do wonder if it has to be 24 episodes though. I do sort of wonder if they had made it like a tight 12 episodes. You know, I I think in some ways maybe like more people would sort of give it a chance or or you know, you could do it in this way that would really hook people and kind of like get them through the story. I do think you get more of these slice of life moments, more character moments by making it 24 episodes, but I don't know. Sometimes it feels like a little bit padded to me. Mm. Yeah, I agree, Ben. It's not as good a show as Madoka Magica. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but like, yeah, having watched Madoka Magica recently, I mean, that just does really like just push you straight through it. That is, this is actually a thing that I talk about in my in my breakdowns of Madoka Magica, that they remove all that slice of life show, that stuff that we said over these last two episodes was really good and really enjoyable. They don't mm-hmm. put that in Madoka Magica because you were mm-hmm. meant to assume it from Sailor Moon and, and from Cardcaptor Sakura and from, mm-hmm. you know, Pretty Cure. So so that being in this in this show feels justified to me. And and I would sit here and watch all the the interactions between the cast and them playing around in their lab coats and all that kind of jazz just because I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still like Madoka is such a high bar to compare other animes <laughs> to. I I know that it's probably a fair criticism like nobody likes filler except for me. Like the filler episodes of Naruto are my favorite ones. <laughs> <laughs> I can do without like a 20 minute action sequence. Yeah. And I, I mean, maybe it is just that like this is sort of like like a blend of genres where slice of life is one of the genres. But like, I, I guess that's true with Evangelion, too. But I feel like I don't know, just uh, I feel like that show fits a lot more into 24 episodes and this one does maybe again that's a really high fucking yeah, 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 yeah i know i know yeah, but then, then there's a i think there's like a, a progression right there's like a, there's like first level of like i i whatever i like the show and then you get to this uh, you talk enough about the show and you're like oh the action scenes and the plot are what makes this show good and i hate all the filler episodes and then you come back around and then you ascend uh, on your your buddhist uh, <laughs> like trial of going up the steps and you're like, oh, wait, the filler's good, actually. Hmm. And that that's kind of how I feel about Steins Gate. Yeah. But Ben, hold on. Like, Madoka and Evangelion changed the anime industries. 
that's your bar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's those are the those are the kind of shows that we watch mm-hmm. on we're, Pen Pen Pals. We're very highbrow. What we have to compare everything to. Lane yeah. changed the anime industry. <laughs> Paranoia Agent changed the anime industry. Okay. Steinsgate Stein- changed the cosplay of presence <laughs> at anime conventions. <laughs> and the uh, good ghost, bad ghost game boarding community. Yeah, I'm going to buy it. Well, I, I will. I, I do want to say one thing in defense. Like, if it weren't for like the filler stuff, I probably wouldn't like Okabe. Mm, you know. Yep. I'll agree. And then if we didn't see those humanizing moments with Shinji in Evangelion, I probably wouldn't have liked Shinji either. I will also Mm. agree. And that's why I like you, Ben, because of your (laughs) (laughs) filler moments. I'm sorry. I mean, this podcast is awful. Really can't. This is the stuff they cut out of Steinsgate. This is true. We don't have any plot episodes. Yeah. Well, I will say. Talking about Philly, this is a good transition because if you want me to mm. want me to plug my stuff, because the, yeah. the baseball episode I did was justifying filler using baseball episodes. Oh. Tell us why filler is valuable by using the baseball episode. So if you're interested in a defensive filler, then then check it out. Oh, and, I love it. Yeah, I just shit on baseball the entire time too. Like really, <laughs> really badly. People were real mad that I did that. I hate baseball, so whatever. So, so I'm not even familiar with this phenomenon but is this sort of like the equivalent of like the the beach episode or something like that that an anime will just pause and just have like a one-off baseball exactly right that's exactly right one of episodes i don't think i've ever watched an anime that did that i guess maybe samurai shampoo had some weird samurai shampoo has a baseball episode absolutely Uh, oh great one it's where the american fleet first comes to japan Uh, matthew perry anti-american racism yeah it's great (laughs) it's very funny it's very funny um there's so many famous ones uh the melancholy of harry Mia has one um the angel beats very famous baseball episode oh my god that's right yep there's a ton of them there's like a list of them and my editor i gave i gave her a list of all the baseball episodes in anime and she was just like wow there's a lot of content here (laughs) whoa 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 whoa. so does that mean you don't like the baseball episode of uh angel beats no no in fact is the conceit of my video is that i'm talking about like baseball's bad baseball sucks but baseball episodes in anime are fantastic and they're oh, yes. very interesting. And they're usually like so much better than the surrounding series. Like a uh, brand new animal mm. has a great one. Um, yeah. I, you know, I could sit here and name them all day. There's a great Pokemon. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but how, how, why are they good? And what does baseball give to the filler episode of anime? And what does anime give to baseball? The terrible sport that makes it become interesting and fun. Oh, wow. Well, I, I'll confess, I don't like baseball either, but like the hey. baseball episode of Angel Beats broke me. Yes, yes. Fucking A. <laughs> but so if you don't enjoy baseball in general, and like, how did you, did you like Fooly Cooly? Oh, yeah. People said bring that one up too. Um, mm. Fooly Cooly, boy, you'll have to do a whole series on Fooly Cooly. That, that's another. That's we another did. We covered oh, did it. you already? <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Fooly Cooly is not for me because I watched it when I was, you know, 30 years old or whatever. And, and it's mm. it's like a 14 year old show. You know, you're like, <laughs> not 14 years old, but like you have to be in the mindset of a 14 year old sure, to, sure, sure. to really get for Fooly Cooly. There is a lot of sophomoric humor. I don't know. I, I disagree. I love <laughs> I still love like, it. I mean, we did yeah. watch it at that age, and but I, think I still in, enjoy it. In terms of like a tight anime, I think like that is just like like it gets 
so much that what is it six episodes yeah six episodes and they're like yeah. normal i think they're like maybe 30 minute or maybe they might be even like 22 you know that's great huh. do we remember who created fully Cooly? yeah i mean so it's guy next and it's, okay uh, yeah that guy who is like the lead animator on evangelion or something like that mm-hmm. and he kind of got wow. handed the the reins after Surumaki. Uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's after right. Anno. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, you've got all the animators. It's like great animators. Like for, as a piece of anime production, Fully Cooly is, is fine. I will. Mm. I will <laughs> Fully Cooly. Yeah, great. The pillows are great. Yeah. It's just not my show. I will tell you, <laughs> okay. I must, I must insist both times I have on this podcast, I've mentioned this. I must insist that fellow, if you're going through all of 2011's animes, uh, Mawadu, oh, okay. Mawadu Penguin Drum. Is is yet another 2011 and 2011 my favorite year of all time for anime that has that has all that doesn't have a baseball episode, but (laughs) has a lot of really good filler that matters later on in the thing. I'll bet you there's a fanfic baseball episode for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and how do we find your show? Yep. If you go to youtube.com slash clear and sweet, or you can head to, I pay a $12 a year for the website. God is a lolly.com. So if you just enter that into YouTube, then you, it'll bring you to my YouTube page. So love it. Uh, I want to thank you definitely for, for giving me the chance to uh, come back on and, and talk again. It's been great. I love talking with you guys. Well, we have one more question for you. What's that? Um, so if our, listening audience enjoys Steingate, um, what would you recommend as a follow-up for them? Mm, I mean, aside from Madoka Magica and uh, <laughs> now Penguin Drum too. See, this is a hard one. Steinsgate hits everything. And I think the success of Steinsgate is largely attributed to how easy it is, no matter where you are, to kind of jump on board and find the fun in Steinsgate. So mm. I would go for something with like really broad mm. appeal, yeah, it's something like yeah, something like Mob Psycho or one or my or uh, um, One Punch Man. Mm. Those are the th- the things that I would go to. Of just like, there's nothing really bad to say about this show, or where I think that it hits a broad audience. That's how I see Signsgate. Okay, great. Uh, do we have anything to announce? I mean, we're just humming along. I'm enjoying. Well, I just have like a baseball anime question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. like, it is it is a whole ass genre in anime. It's like a baseball t- anime. It's a TV tropes page. You can go to the yeah. baseball episode, <laughs> yeah, page, and it has all the examples. Yeah. So, like, is is there like that episode in a baseball anime? Is there? Like one tropey episode that baseball animes all have. I <laughs> see. I don't know because I don't watch the sports anime that much. But <laughs> yeah. I deliberately excluded the anime about baseball from the mm-hmm. baseball anime video. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about filler. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, if you want to watch, uh, what are what are the baseball episode or animes? But... All I can think of is this isn't a baseball episode, but a uh, great show Boondocks does a kickball episode that's very much yes, based on that. Yes, so. yes, 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 the Boondocks kickball episode. You know what I will say? Another recommendation for the people who like Steinsgate, the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Oh! Oh my god, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, you've sense. got a little sci-fi, you got a little fantasy, you got a little uh, mystery of what's happening, but mostly because the same thing with Mob Psycho. It's like a broad spectrum of people can be able to enjoy this. It's just a very well-made show. You know what show also has a baseball episode? Rested Development. <gasps> <laughs> it's a softball episode. 
And uh, Deep Space Nine. Yes, we used the Deep Space Nine <laughs> one. Yes, we did. <gasps> they play against Vulcans. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Should we do it? Sounds good. All right, here we go. Pen. Pen. Pals. Future boy. Come holding you back from maximum baseball excellence guess what was standing in my way i was i was striking myself out then i unlocked the baseball awesomeness inside my body now look at me 